Today I want to go a little further into my message of the next chapter. And you're going to have to see where I'm coming from today because I need this. There's been times when I felt lost. Uh, the other night, a few nights ago, well, maybe a week ago so now, I was talking to my son. We were in some meetings, a group of meetings, and I, I've got so low. I got so sick. I've been preaching and praying for all these people. Then I got empty, and I thought to myself, I just want to quit. I'm ready. I'm through. I'm finished. Have you ever done that? I'm just tired. I did that. The message that I want to bring to you today, I think it will be one that will help you. In that, there's several parts of this I preached maybe 12 years ago. But when I saw it, I realized, man, this is a course on how to get victory, how to gain victory. I need victory. Can you say that with me? I need victory. I needed it. I want to take you to 1 John 5, verse 4. And I'm going to right now, come right out of the gate telling you, whatsoever is born of God, if it's part of God and God is a part of you, whatsoever is born of God, it overcomes the world. Why? It may not be you, but it's the Spirit of God that's working in you that overcomes the world. And this is the victory, the victory, I need the victory. This is the victory that overcomes the world or these negative circumstances or these spirits that are coming against me. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. What overcomes, which gives us the victory, our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the son of God. Oh, Jesus. I want you to look for a moment as we go forward in this message of a man that was a mighty man of war, because there were several of them that David had, 300 mighty men of war. But I want to focus in on this one man named Shammah. Say that, Shammah. In 2 Samuel 23, verse 11, they're going down the line. They said, there was this man named Shammah, the son of Agi, the Hararite. And the Philistines were gathered together in a troop. They were all around. They were tormenting God's people. They were gathered together in a troop. There was a piece of ground full of lentils, a piece of ground full of beans. Just beans. But the problem was those beans didn't belong to the Philistines. Those beans belonged to Shammah. Watch this. And when the Philistines showed up, the people fled before the Philistines. But Shammah, he stood in the midst of the ground. I stood in my bean field. This is my bean field. You don't have a place in my bean field. This is what I've worked for. This is, I identify with this bean field because it's mine. Now watch him. He stood in the midst of the bean field and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. Because he wasn't going to back off from what was his. That was his promise. That was his seed that he planted. And nothing was going to take that seed. Nothing was going to destroy his harvest. Are you seeing? You need victory. We need to be a lot like Shammah. That we walk out into our field and we fight for our harvest. We just don't let go until we get it. We take hold of it. And we rejoice in it. 
The righteous, the Bible, not only the Bible teaches me, but I would like to instruct you today. The righteous will persevere and the righteous will conquer. Always. Those that do that which is right in the sight of God will persevere and they will conquer. You may not see it. You may not understand it. And a lot of people may have laughed at Shaman and said, man, you're fighting over beans, but those beans were important to him. So whatever's important to you, if it's important enough to you to to harvest it, it's important enough for you to stand in the midst of it and fight for it. Amen. So the righteous will persevere and conquer. What do I, what do I do? Let me ask you this question. What do we do when I, when we really need victory? How do I go forward? How do I approach it? Well, let me give you a few points. The circumstance that you're in that's causing you this stress or this anxiety It's perplexing. The circumstance you're in must be addressed. You just can't let it go on. You've got to face it as Shammah does. You've got to face it. It's got to answer for what it's doing to you. So the circumstance must be addressed. You can't wish it away. You can't hope it away. You have to make a decision to change that negative into a positive. Now hear this. If you don't address your issues... If you don't address your circumstances, if you don't address the Philistines in your garden, your issues, your Philistines that are coming against you will lead you where they desire. If you don't face it, if you don't come against it, if you don't do that which is right, this is good stuff. When you realize what God is trying to say to you today, that you can have, you can obtain, you can walk in victory. You just have to make a choice that I will be victorious. Say with me, I need victory. I need victory. Listen, your level of commitment, your level of commitment will dictate your level of success. Always has, always will. Little commitment, little success. Great commitment, a greater success. It's always been that way. Little as much when God is in it. But let me tell you what's not little is the faith that you possess. You have to believe in the God you serve. You say, I just, I can't see it. I just can't see it, Bishop. Well, I can see it for you. That's what I want to say to you today. I can see your victory. I can see it for you. Can't you see it? It's your goals. It's your dreams. And it's just waiting for you for your arrival. Your goals and dreams are just waiting for you to walk through the door. I see it. The enemy doesn't want you to see it. The spirits that are around about you don't want you to see it. But all those spirits are liars. God has given you the ability to walk through the door to your success. The door of your promise. I can see it. Listen to this. I can see the path to your victory. But until you see it, nothing will change. You have to see it. You have to think on it. You have to thank God for it. That's when God moves. It's when we're thankful. Thankful for what? Not only for the things he's going to do, but be thankful for the things he's already done. Your commitment If you want victory, your commitment has to be greater than your obstacle. You're talking about a book. But we need to know how to do certain things. 
There's a lot of people that just don't know how to do it. Your commitment has to be far greater than the obstacle that's in your way. Listen, if you're going to dig a tunnel through a mountain, your commitment has to be very strong. Your commitment has to be, it has to be resolute. I'm going to go through this mountain no matter what. I'm going to make it to the other side. Your commitment has to be greater than the obstacle in your way, even though it seems impossible. Because through the Holy Spirit, you can achieve the difficulties that you face. And let me tell you, I can give you a self-help course. I can talk to you about uh, how, how you can do things on your own. But I'm going to tell you, none of that works without the power of the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit. I can give you all the things and all the tips to make it. But without Jesus Christ in your life, ultimately we fail. We just fail. I want to tell you something that I preached 12 years ago about victory. There was a man named Hermando Cortez. And Cortez wanted to do something that nobody else had done. He hungered for victory. <clears throat> to do this, he had to, build, he had to build up a group to accomplish what he, that no other man had done. What was he after? What was this man after? He wanted to defeat the Aztecs. He wanted to take control of their vast treasure. A treasure... Sister Kathy, they had control for over 600 years. Now, that was a great victory. He had a great dream. So he puts together a team of 11 ships, less than 600 men. I want you to see this. Less than 600 men. And like all great ventures, it will always be met with whiners and complainers. Whiners. So he formulates a system to train his soldiers for the Yucatan Peninsula. He searched out the Yucatan coastline and he decided to land at Tabasco with a small force of men. Now look, with 600 men, he's about to face 5 million Aztecs and he wants that treasure. He wants to try to defeat them and take their vast wealth. You talk about victory. I'm trying to show you something. But on February the 15th, February 1519, Cortez lines up his 600 men and I would imagine they expected a big pep, pep talk. And if you ever watch some of the movies where these guys are, are talking up the battle, they get on their horse and they run up and down the line talking about how they're going to win, how they're going to accomplish this, and all the great things they're going to do. And uh, that's the kind of pep talk I would have thought he would do. He, I thought he would do a talk to pump them up to the task that was seemingly impossible. But I can see Cortez now as he looks out over his small army of conquistadors He's ready to talk. We're ready for the big talk, the big pep talk. What is Cortez going to say? Boy, it's got to be something good. He turned around and he said, men, burn the boats. Burn the boats. Burn the boats? Yes, if you want to go home, if you want to be back with your families and the land of your families, you're going to have to go home in their boats. Now, when I preached this some years ago, I don't think it really had the full impact on me as it did in the last couple of days. That that made the impossible situation, Pastor Ariel, even more impossible. It made it insurmountable. But he 
came up with a plan. If you want to win, there is no back door. And I'm going to say that to you today. If you want victory, there is no back door. There can be no more whiners. There can be no more complainers. You have to go forward and you have to be victorious if you're going to go home. If you're going to obtain victory, you're going to have to go forward. And I'm going to tell you that's not easy. It's very difficult because there's going to be people in your life that's going to tell you how you can't do it, how you shouldn't go this way and do this and do that. And they'll always editorialize and analyze the situation. And I'm going to tell you the worst thing that can ever happen to you in the spirit is let somebody analyze what God is saying to you. Don't allow that. Allow what God is saying to you to hit you deep in your heart and you act upon what he is saying. They defeated Five million Aztecs and obtained a treasure held by them for over 600 years. Why? How did this happen? They had no other choice. They had to go forward. They had to defeat the Aztecs. They had to. What? And I'm going to ask this question. What are the boats in your life? What are the boats keeping you from your victory? What are those boats? What are those things that you that you're allowing to take you away from your promise, to take you away from your victory. You see, they had no other choice. What are the boats in your life that you need to burn so you can get your victory? And there's a lot of things we can mention right now. There are things in your life that you need to get rid of that's only bringing you down, not, bringing, not building you up. There are jobs that are tearing you apart. There's relationships that are defeating you and destroying you. There's people around about you that say they're praying for you, but they're really not praying for you. They're just talking about you. They're murmuring and complaining. For the most part, I hear people say, I can't believe they walk in such lack of faith. If that was me, I could do this. Well, honey, let me tell you, you keep saying that and you're going to be in the same shape they're in. Because the Bible teaches expressly that whatever you do like that is coming back around to you. Hear me today. If we're going to win, if we're going to be victorious, if we're going to take hold of what God has promised, it requires a decision. If you buy a house, what do you have to do? Make a decision. If you buy a car, what do you have to do? Now, let me tell you one that's further than that. If you're going to get married, you better make a decision, good or bad. You've got to go through it because you're the one, honey. Nobody forced you. Well, maybe they did. But nobody forced you to stand there before the priest and say, I do, I do, I do. You did it. You have to make a decision in life. It requires a decision. And then it takes commitment. And then it takes concentration. It takes decision, commitment, and concentration. Don't ever lose your concentration. You know, if you're, if you're hunting and you lose your concentration, if you're looking at the game that you've got focused through your scope, if you lose your concentration, I've done this before, you'll absolutely miss the game that's in front of you, they'll actually walk outside your scope because you were not concentrating on it. Not concentrating. How many of you have been driving your car? Let's think about this for a moment. You're driving your car, going down the road, and all of a sudden there's a police officer there and you're speeding. You say, my God, why did I do that? It's because you weren't concentrating on what you were doing. And if you're not concentrating, sometimes it can bring devastation and poor results. There's another group that I will mention there was a great trapeze artist that used to practice and a high wire, a high wire specialist. He was called Walinda. And he loved 
to practice and his team practice without nets. They didn't want to practice with nets. He said, because if you practice with a net, you take the walk nonchalantly. You take it nonchalantly because you see there's a net to catch you. And he did those death-defying feats with no net. He said there has to be concentration. And he said the concentration is not the same if there's a net. The concentration is not the same if there's a net. Let me tell you, the first time I ever drove a car, I was scared. And let me tell you, when I really got nervous, when my daddy stepped out of the car and said, it's your son, take it. Now we have a different problem. I have no co-pilot. I have nobody to grab the wheel. Nobody to say, hit the brake. Nobody to say, better stop. It was all Allen. And I had to learn that my concentration had to be far greater than when my daddy was in the car. He said, don't take what you're doing nonchalant or you'll lose in this game of life. You have to have total concentration and complete commitment. If there's no net, complete commitment. Let me tell you something. When we built this church, we had no net. We had nobody to back us up. We went and got the money and went through all the process. I don't have time to talk about it. Through the process, God reminded me. He said, you had no net, son. Nobody was backing you up. He said, I was backing you up. So my confidence was in him, not in a safety net. And God, here's the good thing. When I speak of commitment, Ariel, I speak of God's commitment to us because he is committed to our victory. I need victory. He's committed to my victory. Some of you that are suffering at home right now, let me tell you something. Stand up and start talking about the goodness of the Lord and saying, Lord, I know you're concerned about me and I know you're committed to my victory. And now say, Lord, help me see it. Help me walk in what you already know. Isn't that good? Help me walk and live in what you already know. So I'll ask you again today, what is it you need to do? What is it need you, you need to put out of your life? What is it need you, you need to burn to achieve your victory? What stands in your way? Sometimes it's a sacrifice. Now hear this. Your level of sacrifice will dictate what kind of success you want to achieve. Can you say that again? Your level of sacrifice will di dictate what kind of success you want to achieve. What do I want to achieve? Let me tell you. I want to see a great church. I want to see a powerful message coming forth from this church. I want, to, I want to see the praises of the people. Why? Just so I can say I hear a noise? No. I want to know that these people are singing about a testimony. They're worshiping about a testimony. They're thanking God for the things that he has done. That's what a worship service is. I'm starting to thank God for what he's done for me, and that causes me to walk in victory. I want you to moment look at victorious people. You're Bill Gates. Right on down the line, name them. There's 10 men or women in the, in the world that control most of the wealth, 90% of the wealth. But I want you to look at them for a moment, these victorious people, these successful people, and mark this down. Their net worth will be measured by the level of their sacrifice. Doesn't matter if it's a church or a business. Doesn't matter if it's a marriage or a relationship. It doesn't matter if you're a salesman. It doesn't matter what it is. Let me say this. It will be measured by the level of your, your net worth will be measured by the level of your sacrifice. What is your net worth? 
Let me tell you something. Jesus' net worth, he sacrificed everything. Jesus sacrificed the splendor of heaven. He sacrificed the pleasure of heaven. The marvelous, the, that marvelous place that I can only sing a song about or write a poem about. I've never seen it. But I have not seen, neither has ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. God. My net worth will only be measured by the level of my success, by the level of my sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed everything so that we could walk with everything, so we could obtain everything. He laid it down so we could pick it up. Think about that, pastors. He laid down his life so I could pick up a life. He laid down his life that looked like defeat so that I could walk in victory. I need victory. I need to look at the cross. Because that's where victory is. All these people that I mentioned that look so successful, even ministries and ministers, they were committed to the task. And defeat was not an option. Committed to the task. I will not fail. I will not go under. I will go over. Because greater is the God in me than the circumstance that, you're, that you put in my face. If they can do what they've done, all these people that I've mentioned, and many of them don't even serve God, think about what we can do through the power of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, I'm with James, Dr. James Payne. He's along with him. I'm agreeing with him that those 10 people that control most of the wealth in the world, I'm praying that they'll get saved. I'm with him on that. They need salvation. They need to get locked in so the kingdom of God can flourish and grow. So help me pray about that. But if they can do it through their carnal mind, through their flesh mind, what can we do through the power of the Holy Spirit and the commitment that we have to the cross? Nothing can stop us. Your greatness, yours, will be measured by your level of success, a level of sacrifice, excuse me. Your greatness will be measured by your level of sacrifice. Little in, little out, what are you willing to do for your personal victory? You see, a good idea is just a good idea, and it stays that way until you sacrifice to achieve it. A good idea requires sacrifice. It requires commitment. It requires concentration. All those things are true. But, Bishop, I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of failure. I don't want to get into this right now, but if you're afraid of failure, you'll never have a success. If you want to talk about being afraid of failure, there was a man called Abraham Lincoln. Do you remember him? Abraham Lincoln, his, his closest confidence told him, give up, Abe. You've, you've failed so many times. He failed as a store owner. He failed as a politician. But he kept going forward. And all his friends said, stop, Abe. Just quit. Just do what you can do. His reply is, I can't quit. I can't quit because I have a responsibility to my family and I made a commitment, and I must press forward. What did he do? Well, he burned a bridge. He burned a boat. And he said, there's no way back. And he became the 16th president of the United States of America in 1861. So what do you need to do? And I'm talking to you. What do you need to do to gain the victory? 
You can't gain it by murmuring and complaining. I'll promise you, you'll never gain the victory by complaining. Complaints, gender complaints. Whiners, gender whiners. It's when you have a testimony of the goodness of the Lord and you live it out and walk it out and you're committed to it that you'll see the victory. I want to say this to you that are listening to me. Take hope today. Put on the armor of God. Know that God is on your side. You are someone, I'm going to say this, you are someone's leader. You may not believe it, but there's little eyes watching you, little ears listening to you. There's people around you that are looking at every move you make, every step you make, as that song said. You're someone's leader. You're someone's voice of understanding. I've needed those voices of understanding before, haven't you? You're someone's voice of understanding. So I say press forward. Friend, press forward. You need your victory. I say it today with you. I need the victory. Then I'm going to have to continue pressing forward into victory so that I can not only help myself, but I can help multitudes of others. I hope you've gained something from this today. I really do. Because when I looked at this in the early morning hours, I realized there's things that I have mentioned before that I think I need to mention over and over again in my own mind. Because there comes a point in our life that we have got to go forward and not back off. We've got to be, we have to move with the understanding of the Holy Spirit and realize that God wants us to be victorious. If he didn't want us to be victorious, Jesus would have never died on the cross. And whatsoever thing, whatever's born of God, pastors, overcomes the world. And what is the victory? Our, even our faith. I have faith that my God will take me into victory. Let me pray for you. Father, I want to thank you for the moments that we've had together. And I want to thank you, God, that there's people sitting there listening to me that if maybe I just said one thing, maybe just one little bit, that they say, you know what, I can live that out. I could do that. I can be committed to it. I can, I can press forward. I can burn those boats that have, been, that have held me back. God, I pray for them right now that they're successful, that they walk in victory. Not only walk in it, they live in it. They enjoy it. And they see the shadow of the cross, understanding that we're covered by that great shadow. So, Lord, bless them right now. Strengthen them right now and help them, oh, God. To see what I see and hear what I hear. Because what I see and hear is greatness. It is not weakness. What I see and hear is not a failure, but it's victory. The old song says victory in Jesus. And I substantiate that today. We have great victory in Jesus Christ.